everybody. Welcome to the Scarehouse Podcast. I'm your host, Katie Dutters, and with me today is co-host Scott Simmons. Hi, everybody, and welcome to the musical episode of Scarehouse Podcast. Take it away, Rob Johnson. <laughs> Hello. Welcome to the Scarehouse Podcast. Nope. All right. <laughs> Solo. <laughs> I don't know who this guy is next to me. <laughs> I'm sorry. Who, who, who does that lovely singing voice belong to? <laughs> it's me, Rob Johnston. He's <laughs> only a cartoon character. I'll, I'll introduce wow. myself. <laughs> if only this was on video, you could see the transformation that occurred right before our eyes. <laughs> magic. And that's what this podcast is. Magic. Pure magic. Fueled magic. by all the coffees yes. in the world. Well, we are here in the Strip District. For those of you who don't live in Pittsburgh, it's not what you think it is. Um, <laughs> no. Most of the time. Yeah, where uh, we just had a breakfast with many, many, many coffees at the Lucas. Probably 12. I would say I had about 12 <laughs> cups of coffee. Yes. Yeah. So you're welcome. <laughs> so now instead of like the drunk podcast, we're going to be like the caffeinated podcast. <laughs> Ooh, I like it. Yeah. <laughs> I like it. <laughs> as far as you know, we've never done a drunk podcast. Wink. Um, <laughs> One. One day. <laughs> One day. Oh, man. I am subscribing at that point. Yeah. I've held out to this point. Uh, yes. JK, JK. I, I love this podcast. You guys do a fantastic job with oh, it. Oh, thank you. And and before we get rolling, if we've actually started, is the uh, um, the podcast, thanks to uh, Catherine Maria Dudas, is... Um, oh, <laughs> dropping middle names. Okay. It's not the right middle name. It's that's not. That's, that's a running joke. There was... Potentially a typo that went out once on a nationwide oh. press release. Uh, yeah. With her middle name, Maria. Maria. Yes. Maria. I wouldn't pay Maria. heritage to her uh, Latin American heritage. Yes, yes. <laughs> Claim it. Claim it's good. It's palming right now. Uh, but uh, we have... I don't know what you describe what we have done to the podcast. We have made it. We've uh, moved over to. The, we've become part of the members of the Sorgatron Media family. Ooh, love Sorg. Yes, fantastic God, uh, podcaster, Godfather podcasting, as I call him, and a lot of people do in the city. Uh, we've moved over to their network. Uh, great, great, great group of people. A lot of help. Cleaned up a lot of things that we didn't realize were problems in the past, and it's been amazing. So much great help, and just having that other the the, the actual know how as opposed to us guessing. <laughs> And uh, I traditionally try to say this at the end, but I'll say it at the beginning. It uh, it really helps us if you've been listening to the podcast for a while. Uh, we're just going to assume you're subscribing, but take just a couple seconds on iTunes or wherever you uh, listen to this. Even just to give us a thumbs up or leave a quick review. Like, I like it because the way all those algorithms work, the more engagement a podcast gets with more people saying they like a thing or they're talking about a thing, the more iTunes will let us find new listeners. And because we've just launched to a, or switched to a new feed, uh, that will really help us uh, gain some new followers and uh, such. But not a new follower is Rob Johnson. Yeah, that was a segue. I don't care Thank what you. you say. Thank you. Uh, Rob, following. Rob has not been on the podcast for a while, but Rob was... The OG Scarehouse co-host. I, and you know what? Let me tell you, it, those are some of my fondest memories of doing the the digital stuff, like the podcast stuff. Because it, one thing I love about the Scarehouse podcast is it's not 
very, it's not self-serving in the way that it's like, let's talk about us all the time right. and things going on at Scarehouse. We've t- we, I remember one of my favorite ones was talking about the drag scene yes. in Pittsburgh mm-hmm. and like what I learned about like people in, 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 uh, in Pittsburgh that are embracing this culture that, um, I've embraced for a long time and absolutely love, but just hearing that perspective. And so you have that, you've got like all these different things happening. And so you never know what you're going to get. It's like the Scarehouse podcast is a, uh, is like a box of chocolates. Well, and I really, I think the Scarehouse podcast, we try to celebrate not, uh, Pittsburgh is such a great town because, you know, it's a small town, but there's such a thriving community of overlapping artists and communities. I mean, even today on the way over, we bumped into Jeff and Tammy, who were just featured in the recent yeah. Scarehouse podcast and worked with us on the Imaginarium project. Who I never met, but I felt <laughs> like I had because of listening to the podcast. Yeah. <laughs> and so if you, uh, it's much easier to uh, pull up some of the old early episodes now because of the work that Katie and Sorg are doing. And yeah, you can go back to some of those early episodes where we go into the uh, Pittsburgh drag scene, into the Pride Parade. I remember mm-hmm. you did some stuff, uh, Katie, interviewing people just. And of course, the the furry podcast, which was sort of the closest we've come to like actual journalism, it was this yes. hour and a half thing of walking to walking around, talking to different people, um, and like paranormal experiences too. We've done a couple on paranormal yeah. activity and like talking to Amy Bruni of yeah. uh, you know of um, of past ghost hunters fame. Yes, um, yeah. There's there have been a lot uh, of really really great ones that. Um, I actually want to go back and listen to because they were a lot of fun and uh, worth listening to. And so since starting with the Scarehouse podcast, which is uh, responsible for everything yes. that's made Rob happy in the years <laughs> since, so that we can all agree, uh, you know, Rob has continued, Rob has been part of the the journey that Vine yes. took. Uh, <laughs> how to even summarize that whole part of your life. Yeah. It's 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 hard to summarize, but for me, I think it's like tale as old as time. As far as um, you know, the rise and fall of digital in our culture, it's like something can be really hot and like is the now and the new thing, and then a year, two, three years later, it's moved on to something else. That the appeal of it, like our attention span, Vine was a great example of our culture in that it was like six second looping videos because they realized people's attention span is about six seconds. Yeah. yeah. And so, yeah, and, and, and like Snapchat and stuff, like it, it, the attention span is so small. Um, and really, the attention span of people subscribing and, and following and all of that stuff on Vine was limited. Uh, and recently, they, they shut down the app. Now, you can still see Vines on Vine.co. That's, I guess, a plug. But um, you can still see Vines existing online, but you can't upload anything. It, they Basically, um, it is no more. And, <clears throat> and I, I, mean, I can tell you why. I mean, Twitter owned Vine. And when Vine was not pulling its weight financially and there were all of these quarterly earnings way down, they had to make some cuts. And um, obviously that was one of them. I would say Periscope is not far behind yeah. uh, being a Twitter-owned um, you know, company. It's, it's tough. And it was tough because Vine had a community of people similar to that on you know, YouTube or mm-hmm. um, even the Twitter community. Um, and so it's been a difficult transition 
from being a part of that community. And for me, it all started just doing digital content, things that I thought was, you know, funny, like a joke in six seconds, the challenge of telling a joke in six seconds. And, and I did um, find an audience. And that is, I think, what a lot of people are, are, are looking to do. I know I'm still do that with all the other platforms, looking for an audience, people that will appreciate, you know, the stuff that you're creating, as well as like engage and have fun with it. Um, so that was, that was the, for me, that was really awesome. And I, I got some brand work out of it, like working with some brands and opened up some doors for me that were really, really special. But I think the biggest thing I miss is the community and having like an outlet for creativity. Well, and you were really one of the first, I mean, it, it, I'm, this sounds like I'm being hyperbolic, but I mean, you were a Vine superstar. You were one of the, you know, large, you had one of the larger followers on there. Um, what what was it that I think, in, I mean, I have some theories on this, but I'd be curious to hear what you think, made that such a good fit for you and your sensibilities? Sure. So I think in the beginning, for me, like I had kind of said, it was a challenge to do something constrained, like six seconds, um, because I really never, I've never really loved YouTube to express what I'm doing because I feel like after the first 15, 30 seconds, you kind of get it. You know, sometimes these long form sketches, it's like, okay, get to the punchline. Mm -hmm. For me, it was like, well, I can do visual gags that you get within a few seconds. You don't even have to watch the full six seconds. You get what I'm doing. And so the challenge of like creating sets and costumes and things that people would look at and be like, why is this 30 something year old man putting all this effort (laughs) into this? That was part of the joke. And for my audience, if if they really liked what I was doing, it was because they were in on the joke of like, yeah, I know a pun is not that funny. Yes, I'm in a cactus costume, you know, singing Can't Touch This. Like, yeah. yeah, of course, like, if you're in on the fact that this adult grown man has a homemade costume of a cactus, then you're going to appreciate that. So that's how it started. I was posting every single day, whether it w- was popular or not. But um, the very first day that I joined Vine, which was... I actually joined Vine the week that it launched. I think two days after it launched. My first post was seven days after it launched. And I was on the popular page the very first day oh, wow. with something that I had posted. So I caught the bug. Like, you're chasing yeah. that dragon of like, oh, my goodness. Like, there's an opportunity here for growth and to find an audience. And so the allure to me in the beginning, though, was finding an audience mm-hmm. and, 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 and the challenge of, you know, telling a story in six seconds. And your background, I mean, you, uh, and again, if you listen to some of the old episodes, we've talked a bit about this, but you're a huge fan of and grew up with Jim Henson and the Muppets and old, like, Warner Brothers cartoons and Dick Van Dyke and that sort of sensibility of old school practical camera effects and one-off jokes and visual gags sort of lent yourself to applying this kind of mashup of old school techniques I mean some of the the visual gags you would do were like date back to like things Charlie Chaplin was doing 100%. but then mixing it with modern day meme sensibilities and things so yeah that, and that was important to me I think part of why like you know many people don't know what Vine is and it was a lot of a, a younger audience that really embraced it um, but part of it was that in the beginning, everyone was on the same playing field. You could not upload videos. You yeah, had to do everything God, yeah. in one take. So, like, if, you know, if I've got this giant setup, 
it was way more impressive because everybody knew that you couldn't upload something. You couldn't even add music. So if I had music on there, they're like, how did he do that? Mm-hmm. Well, I turned another phone upside down and held it to the speaker. Like, you, you had to find ways to be creative. So on top of coming up with an idea, you had to be creative in how you executed that. And so that's another thing was the, the, the level playing field. But I always have appreciated, like you mentioned, Jim Henson because he was creating content that – that the masses would say, oh, that's for a kid. But the actual content was something that adults could laugh at. And yeah. If you actually look at the stuff from the 70s and early 80s, it was like these jokes are geared towards adults. But because a frog is saying it, kids think <laughs> it's funny. Yeah. But they don't even know. There were like Harry Krishna gags throughout all of like – these kids don't know who Harry Krishna is. Right, like, right. But, <laughs> but, but adults are like, I get it. This yeah. is actually pretty humorous. And that was always my thing too. And that's – you know, like you said, Dick Van Dyke or like Don Knotts, these physical comedians who were boxed in by like, well, they can't drop the F-bomb. Yeah. They can't have a sexual innuendo. Like you have to – the constraint brought out the physical comedy that you're like just even a glance or a look really yeah. set it off. So, Well, yeah. and I'd forgotten to you mention this. In the early days of Vine, there was no post-production, no editing. In fact, it really was just that button. Yep. And I remember you particularly doing a couple of Vines where I'm thinking you would have had to like – record for three seconds I mean it's like the old school like for me when I started doing Super 8 movies and like couldn't edit so you had to edit in camera like start stop start stop and I I remember you would do things where you would hit record and clearly I would imagine you hit record for like two or three seconds and then clearly had spent hours like transforming yourself or getting on a plane or doing whatever and then recording the back half and just thinking, what if the app had crashed? What if the- And it has. In fact, oh. a year ago, a year ago this week, it was the day before yesterday, or it was, I'm sorry, it was four years ago, uh, two days ago, I did a Vine in celebration of someone's birthday. And I really wanted to do this. It, it was a one take. It was, I wanted to be like Chris Farley and throw myself through a table, right? <laughs> and like I had this cake there, this big birthday. Like I went through all of this stuff to have this like birthday celebration. And then all of a sudden... Uh, like I, I sneeze and trip and fall and put myself through the table, right? So the, it's like go time. And back then it would be like three, two, and on a silent one, the person, you know, presses the button and I'm recording and I did it. The problem is I went through the table and it was a breakaway table, but one of the legs was a harder foam and it hit my 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 rib cage and broke one of my ribs. Okay, oh. so I I actually the first few months of Vine I broke a rib doing this right, and I'm like out of breath. I can't breathe. I'm like, did we get it? And back then there was something called a thumbnail error, where it would literally just like freeze and then delete, and there was oh no my. getting that Vine. So literally, I put I broke a rib. I destroyed my kitchen. And it was <laughs> for nothing. I never even saw it, and I'm I, and I'll never forget that because I got all that stuff back up. I had a backup cake in case I had to do a second take. <laughs> so I had with a broken rib, had to find a way around it, and I made the vine. But it was, um, <laughs> I, I didn't throw myself through the table the second time, and it hurt to laugh. Yeah. So it was rough. But, and this, it's funny. This kind of 
overlaps with the podcast we did recently on on burlesque. Like, there's a it might look like oh, it's just Rob screwing around with Vine. Like, you had a backup cake. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Like, how much thought and planning and stuff goes into something that has this illusion of like that's just Rob being goofy. Like, no, he's putting a lot of work and thought into this. But to me, that was that was like the payoff. Even if only a couple hundred people saw it, that was the payoff. But then whenever like my videos were getting millions of views. It it actually felt this, like almost even less than whenever I was really working for yeah. those, those yeah. that audience, and um and it always felt like I had to do bigger and better and yeah. top of stuff. But I'm sure that's the way it is at Scarehouse. It's like oh, we have this really great section of the haunt, and it's like people love it. But you almost have to go. Well, we need to do better. We need to grow. We need to do better yeah. than this. And I'm sure that's like part of the challenge of yeah. of staying relevant and and having people return. Because if I did all the all of my vines and videos and my digital videos online and stuff were all the same, that's fine for a little while. But then people are like, "Well, I don't need to keep coming back." Eh, yeah. I get it. I get it. But with you guys, you have like grown and done things that I'm like, I would be devastated. If I did tear this down. Oh, yeah. Because it is a beautiful set. <laughs> oh, yeah. It yeah. works really well all of the time and the effort. But here come the hammers and just knock it all it, down. I, I think the funny thing is, is like summoning is a great example yeah. of this. And personally, and I know Scott was in on it too, and uh, we were all part of the building process. Mm. There was a lot of literal blood, sweat, and tears in the summoning for our whole build team. And it was funny that we were the ones going, nope, it's time for it to go. Yeah. And everybody yeah. would be like, aren't you sad? And we're like, no, this is it. This is, We got our its life out of it. Mm-hmm. We need something new. We want to change. And it was people who weren't directly involved that were like, oh, I'm sad. And, and we just didn't have that. No. Not that I didn't have the attachment to the sets, but it was like we knew that it yeah. had lived its life. And it's, it's, it's remarkable how quickly it all comes down. Um, having just been out there yesterday walking mm-hmm. around and going, Wow, this set came down in a couple days. It took much longer to put up. Yes. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Yeah. And that's and that's the thing and that's the way it was for Vine with me too is I would spend 6 hours setting something up and then I'd get the shot and then I'd spend, you know, I'd, I'd spend 10 minutes taking it down but then there was a lot of cleanup like yeah. I'm filling a bathtub with spaghetti. That's a yeah. lot yeah. of cleanup. So what was your most elaborate? Like what was your biggest production? So I would say for me, I wanted to do this vine where I was dancing on the ceiling to mm-hmm. that old, you know, the yeah. Lionel Richie song, yes. da- you know, dancing on the ceiling. So that one was the most elaborate because I went out and I bought two eight foot ladders with lumber and I bolted all of this furniture upside down uh, in, in a box, like in a frame so that when I shot it, I shot it upside down just like they they did back in the day with everything appearing to be... Oh, we've got a truck because we are in the strip district, so right. we're gonna have a little bit of a little bit sorry, of this little is, bit of noise. But hey, Rob Johnson's tour bus is backing up. Sorry, we're gonna have to. <laughs> That's exactly what happens. But anyway, so I, I bolted all of this stuff basically to the ceiling and uh, shot it upside down so that it looked like I was actually dancing on the ceiling, and that took like a weekend to like actually find all of the stuff that was light enough to bolt to the ceiling, like. All that, so that that was really elaborate. And one time I filled a, um, a, 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 a child sized swimming pool, 250 gallons worth of uh, a Lucky Charms. <laughs> and while that was not an elaborate setup, it was an elaborate uh, uh, disposal process. Um, so 
some of those were have been elaborate, and I've spent a lot of time making costumes and stuff. But um, but I understand because I've just thrown away a lot of props and stuff and and things, and I'm like, I've got some sentimental value to yeah. this, but I need space in my home. Yeah. yeah. So I get the whole scarehouse thing, and like even in editing, because I work in television now, and even woo. Okay. <laughs> oh. And the silence comes. <laughs> yeah. That was the that was the <laughs> that was the storm. It has passed. That was, um, that was the pyro that went off. Yes, yeah. yes. I work in television now. Yep. <laughs> so I work in television, and sometimes whenever you're editing something, you have this great piece of sound, or you've got this like great image, and you're like, I love this, but it's actually making the package a little too long. Like the video is yeah. too long. So I've heard it called, and this is not probably a great thing to say, but killing the baby. Like, yeah. yes, oh, you, yeah. are, you, are, you are so close to this thing, and you're like, but I really want to tell the story this way, but you need to consolidate. And then at the end of the day, whenever you get rid of that stuff, yeah. you realize it was so much better. It was dragging before, and I'm sure that's the way it is. You cannot get too attached to your haunt yeah. uh, sets and things like that, knowing full well that you gotta kill the baby. Yeah. Well, and it's... it's And, and Katie is really taking the lead on this is looking to the data and the customer reactions and in your case with Vine like the kind of engagement you're getting of you have to on one hand you have to be true to yourself you have to do the stuff right. I think that makes you happy like in, in your case Rob or in our case like we could probably be like you know we could start doing a certain topic or a certain style of thing that's really popular but we're not excited about yeah. and that's just going to come across as disingenuous like there, you have to have as a creative you have to have some stuff you're doing <laughs> Just because you want to, and that's right. what makes you and your team happy. But then it does come down to that thing of killing the baby, of sometimes going like, okay, do we want to do all this extra work or extra investing because the customers are looking for that, or just because our own ego is saying, oh, it's got to look a certain way or do a certain thing, and sometimes the answer is no. Yeah. And that's and, and what's funny is, too, when you're considering an audience, like, like I'd mentioned before, I did some brand work and to drop a name, I got to do some stuff for Disney. Um, and they flew me out to Los Angeles and to, to uh, Disneyland, and I got to make 10 videos in the park, which was awesome and was a big deal for me, right? Well, the thing, the thing that was rough about that was that I had to submit 10 ideas to the Disney team, who are very protective of their brand, rightfully so. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And I'm like, well, this is kind of what I do. I do, like, costumes and props and things like that, and, and, and I know that there's a lot of visuals in the park. So here's 10 ideas, and they were like, we like two of them. So then I have to go back to the drawing board and come up with, like, eight new ideas. Yeah. And then they're like, well, we like two of those. So it was this, like, weeks-long process going back and forth because I'm like, I want to stay true to myself yeah. and my audience. I don't want it to be this complete sellout thing where it's like, come to Disneyland where all yeah. your dreams come true. Yeah. But at the same time, it was like I wanted to be able – I knew their audience yeah. was meshing with my audience. And so you kind of do have to, like, form that. And we, we ended up doing 15 – videos in the park because they ended up liking the, uh, the stuff that we were doing and on the Very fly. Um, but it, 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 you have to kind of know your audience and when you're kind of, for you, it's like yeah. you know what you would love to see in the hunt. Oh, yeah. But it doesn't always mesh with what is going to be accessible to your customers. Right. Yes. So there is a, a bit of that. And that's not just with Vine. That's not just with the haunt. That's with anything digital now, too. The stuff that does, that goes viral is relatable. Like, yes. Like it's yeah. stuff that like hits you. It's like or it's just like a cute cat or a dog or right. a kid or something like that. But a lot of these memes and things, because it touches on something relatable. And it, if a comedian got up and told that same joke, nobody would laugh. They'd be like, yeah. meh. 
But when you see it visually in your newsfeed, it's like, oh my god, that's so me. I totally yeah. got drunk on Tuesday. Yeah. <laughs> okay, speaking of which, the thing that you are most well known for is dumping a giant cup of coffee on your face. <laughs> oh, that's right. Yeah. Two, two years later, yeah. which is so weird. It, this, yeah, you're right. <laughs> I, I, so I made this vine. It started out as a vine where it was like Monday morning and I've got this overly comedic sized coffee mug that's huge. And I, I just hold it up, I give it a little look into the camera, and instead of drinking it, I dump it on my head, okay? Easy enough. Well, it ended up finding its... It, at first, it did well. It went around Vine and went around Facebook and stuff. And then all of a sudden, about a year ago, it had it had uh, turned into GIF form. Yeah, I think Giphy. Yeah, it's on Giphy. Giphy yeah. It's on Giphy. It's on all of those those sites. Yeah. And... Um, and I don't even know when it's being shared until someone tells me. But, like, just recently, uh, Lin-Manuel Miranda, like, nice. shared it. Nice. And I was like, what? Like, the you know, Hamilton, and he's he's actually playing, um, like, a Burt character oh, in the new Mary that's Poppins. that's right. Which yeah. I'm a huge fan of Mary Poppins and Dick Van Dyke. So that, that was a huge deal for me. Um, you know, it's been shared by, like, Ryan Seacrest and Cosmopolitan and, like, I, I'm always amazed at, at people, like, relating to this dumb thing I did in my bathtub. Yeah. And if I knew that it was going to be seen by all of these people, <laughs> right. I would have at least, like, brushed my hair. Like, and if you had planned for it, it never would happen. Yeah. If you, I mean, anytime you go, like, this is, you know, the science, the data, this one is going to be huge. It's yeah. going to be, it never works. And, yeah. and because, and this is what's crazy, too, is that, that with the iPhone update, if you go in to send a GIF through Messenger, like iMessenger, mm -hmm. it has all of those options. I am throughout there. Like, like everybody's iPhones, oh, wow. if you can, like, mm -hmm. a picture of me can be sent in iMessage right there, and it's like, that is the weirdest. I wish there were royalties associated oh, right. with gifts. <laughs> with gifts. Uh, every time it's played, I get a dollar. Yeah. Nah. Well, and, and that's an interesting segue, too, into ownership of content. Because <laughs> there is none. There anymore. is none. And, yeah. I mean, like, we, we're trying to – we populate our Scarehouse fan page every day. And I try – both Katie and I try to be very respectful of – if something has been created by a page, we'll share it from that page. But then sometimes you see a thing and you're like, I think this is some viral thing. And I'll yeah. do, we'll try to do an image search and realize like, oh, it's out there 20 different places. Yeah. And like how to, and certainly Scarehouse has had, we are constantly tracking down like haunted houses will post photos from Creepos Christmas. And right. like, oh, I had no idea. Like, yeah, you you did a Google search. You should have seen where that existed, where that landed. It's it's the wild, wild west out there. It is the wild, wild west. And, and the only thing that's frustrating to me is when um, I have seen it used for advertising. Like, that frustrates me. Because yeah. if, if somebody's using it to say, hey, good morning. Oh, it's Monday. Like, I don't care. Ellen DeGeneres, anybody. When they use it, use it. I, that's awesome. But I've seen it used on Snapchat a number of times yeah. in ads. So they're paying Snapchat with my image. They're getting like views on their yeah. uh, you know site or whatever, and they're using it to market a coffee. Um, I saw it used by a coffee company, and I'm like, wait a minute. <laughs> Well, <laughs> and, like, poor Disney has to pay me to go out yeah. to Disney World to do it, but you're just stealing it. Well, and we had just, uh, just a couple weeks ago, we had some, some local band that had an image of Scarehouse Bunny with the yeah. axe and they were using to promote their upcoming concert. Yeah. 
And I'm like, well, that's you're a local band, so by nature, anybody in Pittsburgh is going to go, oh, is Scarehouse affiliated with this yeah. thing? And they're a very political band. I'm like, no. And th- that's why the protective laws are there with trademarking and copyrights, is so that there isn't the brand, you know, uh, mixing up brand name, the brand recognition. You've worked so hard. You had to hire somebody to take those professional pictures. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That costume is not cheap. The actor that is in the co- there's so much to that. Mm-hmm. And then you just steal an image and throw it out there. There is. It's interesting. There is because you know, I Rob and I both have television backgrounds, and it was always put the bug on everything, put the bug on everything, yeah. and it. As being a the logo, yeah, yeah, a logo, and being kind of a movie nerd, that always kind of bothered me. Like, ah, but it's distracting from the image. Yeah. And so, several years ago, we released one Scarehouse trailer that did not have yep. the logo on it, and that is the one that is constantly showing up everywhere else because everyone rips it, everyone yeah. copies it, everyone because without the bug, they're like, oh, I can sneak this in as my thing, and. I'm several times a year we're contacting lawyers, we're sending yeah. cease and desist letters it's because like you money. And, yeah. and and it's like and, and and I think it's always it's always the oh we're just a small little haunted yeah. house. Like so do you think you get to put Mickey Mouse like right. yeah. in your things? Do you get to say like ah oh, we're we're gonna have George Clooney tonight? Like you you can't they're that. almost betting that you're not going to see it or that you're not going to care. And that's, yeah. and that's the hard part. Or they don't even put that much thought into it. Um, so, yeah, it is interesting. The Internet is a wild, wild west of, of aggregating content that they don't even know where it originated from. So, yes, it's an honor that my face is on a bunch of stuff. But it would be awesome if I re- you know, could reap some of the benefits of the effort put in. Yeah. Um, so, anyway, I'm not complaining. I There are other things that I can complain about. But yeah. um, the digital world just has changed. It, the landscape changes constantly and, and that's why I never put a lot of stake in just Vine. Or, or So now we're creating you know, I'm doing more stuff with Facebook and trying mm-hmm. to do more with YouTube and I'm, I've been producing content for other um, influencers. Um, so that's kind of where I'm seeing things going and I... I platforms and stuff like right now apps with to change your face are just everywhere um and so it's harder for that kind of stuff like because there's no platform to have an audience yeah um but it is it's weird to see the landscapes change well and i think vine seemed to help develop these personalities and then what happened is the personalities developed their followings and then they went to these other apps and these other outlets and they took those people with them. Yeah. You know, it wasn't necessarily Vine-specific as much as it was forming that connection with that person. So do we have time? Is there is there a little bit yeah. more time on here? Oh, yeah. Okay, because yeah. if you want to know some insider baseball, you can you can check oh, this. Oh, yeah. You can check this out. Um, there are a lot of articles and stuff that have been written about it, but I don't know that people would necessarily care to hear it. But one of the things that killed Vine was the very influencers you were just talking about. It was people that developed their following, like you mentioned, and took it to YouTube. And like, if they'd have posted a YouTube video two years ago, nobody would have seen it. There was no, nobody cared. But what they did was they were able to develop a following on this app, and they took it to Instagram. They took it to YouTube. Mm-hmm. A lot of their videos were like, follow me on here, follow me on here, follow me on... And so they did. And what happened, and this was tough, was the top 20 Viners, or 20-something around that number, um, decided, because they didn't need Vine anymore, they had already developed on YouTube and Instagram or having making money on those apps, they approached Vine and Twitter and had a, had a meeting, and they all came with contracts that said, 
we are leaving Vine and we are bringing in billions of views for you. We are leaving the app if you do not pay us. I think it was $1.2 million a piece to make Vines per year. And this, and they, they broke down the numbers of what you'll get out of this deal. Mm-hmm. And so Twitter is looking at this figure of millions of dollars, tens of millions of dollars. And with their quarterly earnings down, with all of these things, they were just in a position where they, they were not willing to make that, um, make that happen. And true to their word, the top 20 left. Yeah. And they took a lot of their followers with them. And so the people that were watching every day waiting for that content started to realize, well, they're not there anymore. They never said, I'm leaving Vine. Mm-hmm. They just stopped making content on there. And they strong-armed. So Vine scrambled and tried to create all of these new stars by doing a feature page and doing all of these different things. And while that helped some people's career build, it also, the app itself was not self-sustaining financially. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and... I always wondered about that because I made money on Vine. Why didn't Twitter make money off Vine? I don't. I don't understand their logic. But hey, man, that is, it is what it is. And so part of the fall was that they weren't making money, and the other part of the fall was that these people grew on the app and then strong armed the yeah. app. To well, stop. and that's you know again somewhat inside baseball, but I mean I think that's to my mind. I think Twitter in general, I think, is in trouble. I yeah. think because Instagram, YouTube, and and Facebook all have a way to Facebook has a way to monetize as an advertising model of course you know for people who want to pay to reach the audience but allegedly they're going to get into the same kind of thing that Instagram and YouTube is of the people who are creating the content can't get paid yeah Yeah. Twitter and Vine like you know you're getting these views which don't actually translate into any kind of Sustainable revenue. So, what's your plan? About, I want to say, about six months ago, I received an email from Twitter saying, "Hey, we're looking to monetize video, and if you want to be a part of our partner program, sign up here." And I signed up. I just never heard anything back about it. And I'm sure that there are people that are partners that are making money off of Twitter videos and Twitter ads, but Twitter just hasn't really kept up. I love Twitter. I'm a yeah, huge, okay. huge fan of Twitter. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's been interesting to watch Facebook go, oh, Snapchat has stories? We're going to introduce stories. Oh, you know, Twitter has a live video app and people are really interested in that. Well, we're going to make a live video live video feature. Anything that other apps are doing, they're kind of like, well, we can do it better because we've got this platform yeah. to do it. So that's also an interesting digital world, in the digital world, is watching how... You know, an app becomes famous for something like Vine looping videos, and Instagram's like, which is Facebook, yeah. is like, well, you have six seconds, we're going to do ten second, and now it's a full minute, and it's going to loop, and it's, but the community didn't really come over from yeah. Vine to all of those those platforms. The the big stars did, but the community didn't. Well, I think one of the things I think is that Facebook. Not unlike Amazon, they're kind of like the Walmart of the digital world. Like, mm-hmm. they've got such a huge infrastructure and such a huge reach that it is easy for them to just sort of say, "Oh, that's a thing. Let's let's yeah. start doing it our own version of it." And there has to be, you know, there has to be a plan to combat that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and 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 again, that keeps other apps and other platforms kind of on their toes of as to how do we make this unique. And interesting, but that's why a lot of these apps are just 
that are, that I'm seeing rising up are just things that can be integrated into those apps already. Like yeah. the the facial, you know, oh, this is what you look like when you're old. Yes. Well, how long is that going to... I mean, yeah. you know, that's really big right this week, but by the time this podcast comes out, I guarantee it's not going to be right. that popular. Or like Flappy Birds or, you know, yeah. like different things that have come out. It's like the lifespan is so short that it's like, well, what next? What next? That, what next? That whole lifespan of Vine is just remarkable to go from... I mean... Do you remember when Vine started? Yeah, it was 2013. It was the um, it was uh, January 24th, I want to say, uh, 2013. So, I mean, four years from here's a Vine to superstars, and I mean, I really do mean superstars, like millions of views, yep. making all this money, it changing the landscape, it being you know you seeing it pop up in on late night shows, doing all this stuff, becoming its own sort of part of the culture and then just as quickly gone gone yeah and i mean the it's only been shut down at this point for a few months yeah and as you're telling this it feels like oh i'm nostalgic for that like yeah forgetting like it was still a thing up until like six months ago yeah. but even with us we're like oh yeah that that's well that i feels like an old stone age thing for me about a year ago i was like interactions are down people are not viewing so my my love of trying to top what I had done before just started to fade yeah. just like the viewers going yeah I've seen it before and I also whenever they started people started uploading mini YouTube videos basically yes. yeah. to this thing it was like well the allure of the challenge is gone I can add music now I can edit them yeah. and the only restriction is that they're six seconds and then all of a sudden Vine in a desperate attempt to be like to save itself, uh, let you upload, uh, I think it was up to two minute videos, which, um, yeah. which made no sense because it was like, well, then what you are known for is a little bit, yeah, it, it was, for me, it was a slow burn for other people. It was like, what? Vine is gone. And you saw this like burst of people like when Vine is closing in January. So like all these people came back that hadn't been using it in a long time, but it was like, man. I really wish that interaction and the community would have yeah. stayed as strong as it was the first three years of the app. And and you have to you have to keep uh, in any kind of business you have to look for those indicators. And I do think for me personally, I'm seeing that on Twitter. You know, my own. I mean, I love it, but my own enthusiasm for it is certainly diminishing a bit. And I mean, a lot of it is because you're seeing the kind of con just like with Vine, the kind of content that's on there is changing. Yeah, it's. And you have a lot to of self promotional stuff. It's not engagement. It's not. It's right. You're, you know, you're basically everyone. Majority of the stuff I'm seeing on Twitter are basically just headlines and clickbait to have you go to their website. Like, well, mm -hmm. this is just this doesn't feel like content or engagement anymore. It's right. just another feed of stuff. Yeah, exactly. And that's why content creators have to be up on what's changing because what you're known for now you need to continue to grow and again Scarehouse has done that so well with the basement and things like that yeah you were known for this like the, the walk through haunts but this immersive yeah. like, experience now is an addendum to that that you're continuing to grow and to, to continue to expand because without that you know, it, it makes it very difficult to retain customers and, right. or viewers or, or whatever. Well, and it's it's the data that was there for a lot of our decisions that we're making this year. Yeah. Of, you know, you you. It's not like it happens right away. It's not like you suddenly get that thing of if you don't change X Y Z, we're not coming back next year. Yeah. But you know, we've done similar kinds of surveys for multiple years so that you can follow that trend, mm -hmm. and it does come like oh, there's a little less enthusiasm for X Y Z. Yeah. 
and then internally deciding like, okay, is that what does that mean? Is that lack of enthusiasm for certain things mean we need to change what we're doing slightly, or does it mean oh, hurry up and get this? Because, and I, I think I've said this on the podcast before, if you lose an audience in a seasonal business, if they come out one October and they're like, ugh, they're not going to come back next year and give you a shot. They're going to take a couple years off. And in their memory, they'll go like, oh, yeah, I went to that last year. It wasn't that great. And then you realize, oh, it was actually four years ago. Like, you've got to sort of get over-deliver every year yeah. because there's so much competing for people's attention now that it's it's easy for them to go like, oh, I'm going to stay home and do Netflix or do the movie or do this or this or this. So, Yeah. That's, I mean, well said that. It's just a changing landscape. You know, it is... It is crazy, but you guys have been really on the forefront of it, of, of a lot of the, like, you know, videos. I've always loved the video production that you guys have done. I mean, YouTube, you have been all over YouTube for many, many, many years, and I'm watching a lot of other businesses just catching up to the social side. Yeah. Mm -hmm. But you guys have been on the forefront of that for many years. I forget how many videos we did last year, but... Yeah, it was ridiculous. It was ridiculous. I mean, it was... <laughs> I figured and it, it out, and I was like, wow. It was, and it's funny, because I've been going through a bunch of old boxes of stuff in, in my home, personally. And just the other day, I found a big box of, like, drawings and things I was doing for Scarehouse back in 99. And I found myself going, like, man, there's a lot of stuff I used to do within the haunted house that I don't do anymore. Right. In terms of actually, like, doing some of the illustrations and sketches and conceptual yeah. stuff. I am still heavily involved in the conceptual stuff, but I'm not, like, here's the drawing of what the set should look like, and here's where we're going to source this and source that. And I'm like, oh, why is that? And then realizing, oh, right, because we used to do one commercial and one trailer a year, whereas now I, th I want to say it was up to almost 50 videos I that we did last year. That's unbelievable. <laughs> That's and unbelievable. Then, and then same thing, like 99 Scarehouse, we had, uh, I think, a cast of 20. Mm -hmm. Our cast is much larger now. <laughs> you know, yeah. it's everything is so big that um, you just you cannot necessarily, you know, I'm still in... in involved in all this stuff but certainly not that but same see, that's, level that's the difference that we're talking about mm. is that if in 99 you've got 20 employees and you're doing one uh video if you would have stayed there and said well this worked this year and yes. you stayed there 100 then, yes. then it would not be what it is today and that's kind of what the, all of this is kind of talking about is being willing to grow and when you see it might the budget might be tight sometimes to I'm not saying for scarehouse but for some people the budget is tight I don't think I can invest in advertising I don't think I can invest in uh, the time that it takes to, to do on, on social what I'm doing is working well then you'll only ever get yeah. out of it what you're willing to put in and so when, I'm sure that that, that in the first few years that you're hiring more people and you're doing more expansive yeah. uh, you know set design and all of this stuff it might be a little bit scary but it, it ultimately has paid off and for me that's the way it has been on digital it's like there was a big payoff because when Vine started in January of 2013 by October I had 150,000 followers and was doing brand work for Disney like my dreams were coming true yeah. because I was willing to just keep doing it even when people hated what I was doing at first yeah <laughs> well and I think in certainly in the haunted house world but also the TV world of which we're both involved or connected uh, we all know those people who the data is there and I, I've said this before like I know I remember when I was working full-time in television and anticipating what was going to happen with the inf I mean I remember going to Promax uh, which is the annual convention for people who work in promotion and marketing and television and this would have been 
this would have been the late 90s, and them talking about this thing called broadband and how the internet was going to change. <laughs> and, like, it was that moment of, okay, here's, what, here's what's going to happen. In, and I don't think even then anyone saw it happening as quickly as it did. But, you know, viewership habits are going to change. People are going to start getting stuff from the internet. The, the, commer- the retail from commercials are going to come down. Production is going to get more, like, a lot of top-heavy stuff. Like, it was all spelled out right there. And there are definitely people, I remember back in the 90s, who thought I was the crazy one. Because mm-hmm. they're like, oh, I'll, I'll have this full-time job forever producing this show or doing whatever. I'm like, mm-mm, nope, yeah. nope, nope. Mm-hmm. And sure enough, like, the, all those outside factors are telling you, like, you need to change, you need to grow. And they didn't, and it did not work out. And I think it's the same with haunted houses. Like, there are plenty of haunted attractions out there that you can go to now. And people are like, oh, that's fun. It's like old school. It's charming. I'm like... It's charming, but they had an opportunity to grow and make it a real business and make it profitable. Mm-hmm. But at some point, they're like, nah. I mean, there are still, I know I say this every few podcasts, there are still people in our industry who are like, social media is a waste of time. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, what are you doing? Like, flyers and newspaper ads? And the answer is yes. And I just <laughs> blink at them. I'm like, yeah. well, that that's probably why you haven't seen a growth in your attendance in 10 years. That's, right. You know, you have to adapt to where people are going to receive their content, mm-hmm. receiving the media, media stuff. And what I've found too, is that a lot of people like even on social media now, it can be a very short commercial. They're tuning out, you know? Yeah. So, and they, and they see the little sponsor or things like that. And sometimes they don't necessarily, um, they kind of just click off in their heads unless the content is good. Yeah. And that's the whole point is create something that it doesn't even matter that you're watching it. I mean, that's like the Super Bowl. People watch the ads the whole time there. It's like a Doritos commercial, but you're like so enthralled with, oh, what are they going to do? Is it funny? Mm-hmm. If you can do that every yeah. every time or close to every time, then you're going to have that audience and, and it's it's effective. The problem is too many times it's a flyer posted yeah. on Facebook and it's like, well, nobody cares about the flyer. No, give them a reason to care. Yeah. So... Well, and I think audiences are so sophisticated. And I think, and this is not an original theory, but it actually goes back to, of all things, The Simpsons. <laughs> and The Simpsons was sort of the first show, if you really think about it, that was packed, 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 packed with visual information and jokes and stuff right on top of each other. Right, yeah. the, the tempo of that was so fast. Mm-hmm. And you think about The Simpsons, which has been on for like 30 plus years now or something like that. Um, there's an entire generation that their first, you know, their their entertainment they, they were taking in was something like The Simpsons, where it was a joke and a reference and a thing mm-hmm. on top yeah. of each other, top of each other, top of each other. And understanding how media works and all that. So, and now you've got kids with iPads and internet access as early as four and five. Like, they know when they're being hustled. They know, right. they can sense, Smell like, right this away, doesn't yeah. feel like... So what I love is you see more and more advertisers now being very meta and obvious about what they're doing. Like, mm-hmm. they're almost making a point of saying, we're going to sell you this thing now. Yeah. Yeah. Aha, wink, wink, and it's tricky. Yeah, but but sometimes that honesty is what people want. They're like, okay, yeah. well, then show me the product. But if it's like... You know, if it's being masked by yeah. something else that's like native advertising, sometimes works, but it's like, okay, like I watched something the other day that was like, okay, I had this cool little video that caught my attention, and then the last half of the video is them pitching this product, and yeah. I was like, 
Click. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I get it. I got it. I got I got my value out of yeah. it. Yeah. Uh, which was the funny little video in the beginning. I don't need the product. Yeah. Oh, I tell. Yeah, I'll tell you the other thing that's bound to go away soon. There are those <laughs> mandatory. You will watch this 15 second commercial before you get the thing you want. Yeah. Like. Yeah. I hate that. I know. And, and everyone... So and the video's 20 seconds long. Yeah. You have to watch and, a 30-second video. And, like, I get angry. I'm like, and I hate you for advertising, and I hate yeah. you for doing this. And, you know, somebody said this once. He said, you know, there are so many apps out there that are designed to be ad blockers. And somebody said this once, and I loved it. He said, as an ad... If you're in the advertising industry, he said, if your industry is generating apps that their sole purpose is to n- deny your existence, you're in trouble. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that is good. Yeah, that is good. So, all right. What, what's happening at ScareHouse in, like, like the, the elevator pitch? What's happening? What's new? What's exciting? Oh, what's look, about oh, to take look at place? that. We're about out of time, I know, everybody. I know. You can't talk yeah. yet. Um, but I want to know personally because I'm dying. I'm, like, I'm seeing these little hints of things happening, and I'm like, oh, my goodness, it's coming. Yeah. What's t- it? cast and crew are starting to like bug us that aren't directly involved with the core team yeah. planning are really now is the time it's like hey I want to know what's going on but not really like yeah. it's, it's fun because our cast and crew are like just just let me know a little bit but I don't want to know everything because I yeah. kind of like the surprise yeah. of it yeah. which is super cool I think. so you guys are in the hiring process right now actors right that's not, that's not, yet. not quite yet okay yeah soon so be on the lookout on <laughs> Scarehouse Facebook page yes or join the email list oh that's a good one yeah yes. we have one of those <laughs> Where can you sign up for that? On scarehouse.com? Scarehouse.com, yes. Yeah, Scarehouse. You can even through our web, uh, Facebook, if you're a Facebook fan of ours. And what's great about that, too, is like the information that you're getting is not just spam emails and stuff like that. You guys send out a lot of really cool information. Yeah, I think it's... Well, I mean, it's... it's. I'm really excited this year. We're going to start doing more looks behind... I mean, we've always done looks behind the scenes, but the... you know. What's nice is we've had some of the same core people working together for years now at this yeah. point. And um, not just saying this on the air, we all genuinely like each other. Mm-hmm. And we all have our inside jokes and references. And, you know, it is I, – I throw around the family word, like, you know, it, but it is a family. Just like families, we sometimes fight when nobody else is around. But we <laughs> keep it in the family. Yeah. You know, smile on the outside. And then when <laughs> Rob – and then after Rob leaves, Dutter and I start yelling at each other again. Um <laughs> But I and I I think what's going to be fun for us to play with this year is we started doing this a bit last year, but I think a lot of the content you're going to see from us, especially on Facebook, um, is going to be a little bit looser. It's not going to yeah. be quite as polished and produced because I think again, you know, the audience can sense when something's a little bit, the message is a little bit too controlled and yeah. uh, contained and some of my favorite things that we've done as a as a brand is the stuff Dutters has done where it is just picking up the phone and taking a photo or shooting we did a thing a couple months ago when we were getting ready for the Valentine's Day basement and it was just Dutters and Nicole heard a weird noise so they just instantly pulled out the video and were like we don't know what's going on you know and I, I think I love that. that's like so much more fun and genuine to do and it does kind of dovetail with what you're talking about with your growth on Twitter it's not like you went it's not like we're having these grand Machiavellian meetings <laughs> of here's what we will do right we will make sure that Molly and Nicole have matching outfits yes and we will you know no that's our staff that is truly our staff if you want to know what we're really like we pretty much put it out there yeah <laughs> <laughs> none of that is disingenuous we, we're very honest yeah yeah and Which I think great I like and it. I think that's Actually, of of benefit, like we, could, if 
And I, I think that's, uh, we're, as we said earlier, like we're big fans of karma, big fans of being genuine. And I have seen personally a lot of corporate brands or other businesses or other haunted attractions who try to emulate what Scarehouse does and they can't because, again, I'm saying this, like the Scarehouse crew, we genuinely like each other. We genuinely right. like being around. We like making each other laugh. Not just hired guns. Not yeah. just hired guns. So we can do all this weird stuff and comment on it and do whatever. Right. And it's funny when you see other brands or other attractions try to create that playful brand and it looks kind of like contrived. It looks not only contrived but it looks like okay kids you better, better. <laughs> you better be nice I will smack you with your toddlers and tears. Yeah. Yeah. like you know it just smile. looks like they're all like smile <laughs> we love each other as a family <laughs> don't you embarrass me in front of my <laughs> boss you know it's <laughs> that's awesome so yeah definitely keep keep track of all the social media stuff yeah I appreciate all of that content. I love when it shows up in my feed. It's uh, you guys always do such a good job with it, whether it's produced or not. And I, I feel like you guys have to have that produced look because even with a cell phone on your sets, it looks produced yes. because it's like the stuff's so elaborate. Yeah, I, I'm, I'm such I'm such a fangirl about like the well, scare house. I think that's the thing, and I may have said this before, but we always make it a point of. Anything you see on the Scarehouse YouTube channel, Facebook, that says it was a shot at Scarehouse was shot at Scarehouse. Yeah. Like, we are not um, doing stuff on green screen or doing whatever. And that is that could be a whole other conversation to dealing with negative comments. But those are some of my favorite comments when you get people who are saying, all that stuff in the trailer wasn't even in the haunted house. Like, yeah, it was. Yeah, it was. You, you know, maybe you weren't looking at it yeah, or you, you didn't have your the eyes perception open. of it. Or... Keep your eyes open when you're walking through the haunt. You scared of cats. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, it's but it's all there, and that that's been from you know from uh, once we and once we started shooting HD all the way back in two thousand seven, which is crazy. Um, which is crazy, yeah. That we have now, and that's another fun thing that we have this archive of ten years worth of HD oh, yeah. footage of Scarehouse, but yeah. it's always been. I mean, other we've done some things. Like we did a couple of years ago, we did the zombie forecast for your neighborhood. Well, that was done on green screen because it was clearly like yeah. kind of a weird gag thing. But any of the sets, characters, creatures, they're always shot. And then you're going to, that's who you're going to see. That's what you're going to see. Yeah. And delivering it. Because again, people can, there was a while there, again, in the haunted house business where people were kind of got on the idea of, oh, we're going to do these big cinematic videos and trailers. And they would. And they would bring in, like, actors and do makeup artists and do the stuff. And you'd see this amazing commercial. And then you go to the haunt and it's some 12-year-old in a black yeah. cloak. And you're like, no, yeah. that's not it. Like, so. I've experienced that. <laughs> where, where it was, like, all this hype and then yeah. sheer disappointment when and, I had to, like, In the oh, world man. of social media that you cannot get away with that I for know, a minute. I know, not anymore. Not mm-hmm. anymore. People will let you know how they feel. In fact, they feel inclined to that. Everybody's like a Yelp reviewer. Like, yeah. Everyone's a critic, you know? So we should probably wrap up because Dutter's yeah. Night, it's really nice. I wish we could have more of our class outside today. <laughs> um, and in the loading dock of the... In the loading dock. So we made that comment before. For those of you who are not from Pittsburgh, uh, the... I'm trying to remember what Rick Seaback would say about this, but the the Strip District is an area of Pittsburgh that is the wholesale district of Pittsburgh. Uh, I believe it was called the Strip because it's a long strip that runs along the railroad lines where the big uh, trains and things would come in and load in all the produce and stuff. It's where Permani Brothers, which is the well-known, was birthed. 
So um, that's why you've heard a little bit of road noise and some construction stuff uh, here. It's, but it's also where we had breakfast. So, you know. <laughs> DeLuca's, we love you. Which was delicious. <laughs> yes. <laughs> well, shout out to them because breakfast was so good. And they kept the coffee flowing. Oh, yeah. yeah it's too much. That's what, yeah. I've been standing up this entire thing swaying. <laughs> back content and brought to you by DeLuca. Uh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Thank you. We I talk to Mile a minute because yeah. well, <laughs> six spots later. Where can everybody find you now? So I am on Facebook. Um, and uh, Twitter at Rob on the Run and uh, at Rob on the Run on Instagram. So I'm still creating content all, all over there. Um, and again, I'm taking a back seat from like the spotlight. Um, but uh, but yeah, still trying to create unique content. And if you guys follow it and watch, maybe it'll encourage me to make more. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> Rob takes suggestions too. Yeah, oh, yeah, I do. Honestly, I love suggestions because the wackier the better. Because I love. Uh, trying to come up with a way to make something happen that doesn't exist. So, yeah. So, well, thank you so much for being a part of our podcast. And Scarehouse is, we're on Instagram as Scarehouse. We're Scarehouse PJH on Twitter. And you can like our Facebook page, The Scarehouse. And YouTube's The Scarehouse. And I think that's everybody. Yeah. And, and again, please leave comments or just a little thumbs up uh, on this podcast. That really helps. Mm-hmm. And, yeah, look for... Uh, we mentioned all the video production that kind of slows down over the winter but it'll be starting up again real soon well thank you so much for listening and we'll talk to you again soon